Crypto Watch is presented by theconstantinvestor.com. I'm Alan Kohler, and every day my writing and podcasts put the financial world into context with a focus on the issues that matter. Join us today. It's only a dollar for the first month. And now it's time for this week's Crypto Watch. Today it's a double header. I'm speaking with Jordan Alessio, Chief Economist at ABC Bullion, who's kind of defending gold against cryptocurrencies and Bitcoin in particular, and also Kay Van Peterson, Global Macro and Crypto Strategist at Saxo Bank. First up in the hot seat is Jordan from ABC Bullion on the comparison between Bitcoin and gold. So Jordan, you're the Chief Economist at ABC Bullion, um, but you're having to focus now to some extent on Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies. Um, is that because uh, they're, they're seen as a um, as a uh, competitor to gold and therefore you've got to know your competitor? Oh, I suppose there's an element of that, Alan. Uh, there, there's definitely been um, some natural in- interest from the precious metal buying community um, in Bitcoin that actually dates back a few years. So whilst the the sort of mania in cryptocurrencies has really only taken place in the last sort of, um, you know, the, the last year. Um, those who have been interested in precious metals have been looking at Bitcoin for a while. So I first started writing about it and researching it um, uh, about four years back. But um, obviously, as investor interest has grown um, and, and really exploded this year, it's been natural for us to, to take a bit more of a look at it and, and sort of compare it to gold and fiat currencies and, and yeah look there's no surprise that given the returns some people are um, even selling precious metals to, to chase Bitcoin um, instead uh, most of the people that are doing that have a view that they'll ride the crypto boom for, for some time and then lock in some profits and, and, and come back to precious metals So when you started looking at it four years ago did you buy any? <laughs> uh, sadly I didn't um, I, I, still, I still struggle with the, the base case for Bitcoin. I'm excited by the technology, um, but I, I still um, I, I still don't see it as a, a long-lasting monetary asset. Um, but you know, in, in yeah, in the interest of full disclosure, obviously, I wish I'd gone long a few years back. Um, but uh, you know, certainly with prices where they are now, I think um, there's, there's just a lot of risk to the downside from from this point. So, um, do you see your job now as partly to defend gold? And precious metals generally against Bitcoin, or at least to promote them uh, versus Bitcoin. Uh, look, I think it's just a case of, of investors, uh, or making sure investors are aware of the, the different characteristics of them, and ensuring that they're they're buying either asset for the right reasons. So, um, obviously, recently wrote a, a very detailed report into into Bitcoin um, dollars and gold. Um, and as I pointed out in that report, I, I see absolutely no problem with people speculating with a, a small portion of their money in, in the crypto space. Um, but I think if they're looking for a highly liquid, um, a highly liquid monetary instrument that's uncorrelated to equities and, and doesn't have any credit risk, um, then then gold is is the, the the monetary asset that fits that bill. And I think one of the important things for investors to to understand is that. You know, whilst sorry, whilst gold has lasted six millennia, and every uh, you know monetary, geopolitical, financial crisis that that humans have gone through over that cycle, um, you know, Bitcoin hasn't even gone through one full credit cycle yet. So, uh, again, whilst it's not for me, I, I don't see any 
any problem with people wanting to speculate with a small portion of their capital in, in Bitcoin or in cryptos more generally, but just important to understand that they're not a substitute for gold, um, given given gold's qualities. Um, obviously, gold was um, convertible into US dollars or US dollars were convertible into gold up until 1971 when Nixon... Um, uh, deconnected them, at least took took the US dollar off off the gold standard. After which, gold then became a speculative asset. I mean, it absolutely shot up. Um, and you know, for a few years, I mean, the last few years, gold has been quite stable. But after 1971, it became a, in some ways, a bit like Bitcoin has been recently. It was, um, you know, it was an extremely volatile um, speculative asset. You'd have to say, wouldn't you? Uh, look, to, to some degree, there, there, there is definitely um, a market for speculators in gold. It is an asset that um, over the short term can be volatile. So for people that want to trade and, and make a short-term you know, short gain and, and that are willing to take the risk, then you, you can certainly look at gold that way. Um, most of the investors that um, buy gold, though, for you know, as a strategic long-term holding, um, tend to buy it because you know it has that longer run you know, history of protecting purchasing power, um, and it's uncorrelated to equities. So they tend to find that it, uh, whilst it's volatile in and of its own right, or at least it can be in the short term, uh, it tends to balance out a portfolio um, very nicely. So um, look, I think that uh, you're, you're absolutely right to say that there are periods where gold can be volatile, um, but um, as I say, from from a long term investor's point of view. It, it's a, a pretty good way of, of protecting wealth, of, of making sure you've got an asset that's not going to, you know, lose its purchasing power because of inflation. Um, and, and you know, certainly when we compare that to Bitcoin, I mean, Bitcoin is is without doubt the most exciting financial story to come out of the, you know, the, the, I suppose the post-global financial crisis era. It's been, uh, I'd, I'd struggle to think that there's been a more attractive speculative asset over the last 10 years, but as to whether or not it proves a store of value over, you know, one, two or three credit cycles, um, or, you know, whether it will actually really protect purchasing power over the long run, I, I think that remains to be seen. I suppose my point is that um, I, I'm not sure about gold as a, as a protector of purchasing power or, you know, a store of value because, I mean, up until 1971, it was actually money. It was a monetary asset. Um Prior to World War One, it it really was money. I think you could go around spending gold coins, but now you know, obviously after that you couldn't. Um, but but I don't believe the gold is a monetary asset anymore. It's no longer connected in that way. I, I sort of wonder uh, uh, how how you can see even gold as a uh, store of value. Certainly, I mean, cryptocurrencies, Bitcoin as a store of value is kind of ridiculous the way it's going. It's just a speculative <laughs> asset. I, you know what I mean? Like, uh, I'm not sure that th there's any such thing as a store of value these days, at least in those sort of, in that respect. Well, I think I think it's, that's an interesting point, Alan, and, and certainly if you look at the way that, um, I, I suppose, central banks have, um, uh, you know, intervening in the economy and in the monetary system on a daily basis, they're, they're certainly doing their best to um, to ensure that there isn't a safe store of value, um, you know, if you, if you look at... The, the, I suppose balance sheet stimulation that, that not just the Fed, but the, you know the BOJ, Bank of England, um, ECB, etc., have 
have taken place in or have, have been doing over the last 10 plus years. Um, as for gold as a, as a store of value, look, there are clearly years or months or periods where, where it isn't. But, you know, as you, as you pointed out, up until 1971, it was, you know, it was money itself or, or should we say money was redeemable in gold. Um, and if we take the entire sort of 1971 to 2017 period, um, gold has gone, you know, in US dollar terms from, from 35 to, you know, let's call it 1300 US dollars an ounce. Um, you know, that's a return of around, you know, 9% per annum. So over that period, it, it's proved, um, especially in post-tax terms, a far better protector of wealth than leaving your money in a, in a regular bank account. Um, so I think that, you know, on, on a day-to-day basis, can you guarantee gold will protect your purchasing power or, or your portfolio? No, you can't. Um, but over the, the course of the 45-year period that we've, we've just gone through, it, it's, it's more than done its job. So in your work on Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies, uh, what have you learned? Where, where, where are you at in your thinking about it? Oh, look, my, my view, Alan, is, as I say, it, it remains... a. a a potentially attractive speculative vehicle, um, you know, potentially on the short side as well as the long side. Um, I'm, I'm a real believer in, in blockchain technology. Um, so I think that we're going to see blockchain, um, uh, businesses use blockchain um, in, in a large range of industries over the next sort of five to 10 years. Um, you know, there's a significant amount of, of money being invested in this space and a significant amount of human capital as well. Um, so I'm a, I'm a real believer in that. Um, I also think that Bitcoin has been very, very useful um, if for no other reason that it is it is facilitating uh, an important question about what money really is and, and how money really should work. Um, but as, as, it, as it pertains to Bitcoin uh, usurping either the US dollar, the euro or, or gold indeed, which remains a, a you know, strategic foreign exchange reserve for, for most major central banks, uh, I still see. I, I don't think Bitcoin's going to going to last in that sense, and so I, I suspect that um, there's there's a lot of potential downside from here, and, and a lot of investors are going to be very very disappointed if they're if they're chasing further gains in, in this space. So, uh, are you uh, of the view that it's a bubble and it's going to crash fairly soon? What, you, what, what I mean, where do you think the price could stop? Oh, look, I mean, you, you can you can see the the argument for a blow off top and, and and Bitcoin, you know, moving even higher potentially, you know, could potentially even double again from here um, before before it, um, before it bursts. But yeah, look, it has all the hallmarks of a bubble now, Alan. You've got more and more hot money chasing it. Um, you know, it's, it's a very wild west in terms of how unregulated it is. You see ever more um, optimistic price projections for it. Um, there's a, a clear onslaught now as well of, of um, you know, what I'd call spruikers entering the space, um, you know, promising untold, you know, riches provided you sign up to their subscription services and the like. So, yeah, if I, if I look at, you know, what, what are all the characteristics of a bubble? Bitcoin is, is ticking every box right now. So I think investors just need to be aware of that if they're going to dabble in this space. You talked before, leaving that aside, you talked before about the um, uh, the fact that Bitcoin is prompting a discussion about what is money and so on. Where do you think that's going? Oh, look, I think that I, I think that in, in the end, um, or at the end of this cycle, um, to to one degree or another, um, I think gold will play a bit more of a prominent role again. I think that people understand the value of a, a hard asset that is 
that supply is, is, is governed by the laws of nature rather than purely at the whim of, of central banks. Um, as to, to how significant a role is, that, that remains to be seen. Um, but look, I think we're coming towards the end of this credit cycle. I think that uh, there was a, a really interesting reporter a while ago called "What Will the Next Credit Crisis Look Like?" or "What Will the Next Crisis Look Like?" And I think we're going to, you know, we're going to enter an era, or we're entering an era where, for the next decade or so, um, risk assets are, are going to struggle to perform well, and, and I think more and more investors are going to seek the the safety of, of, of hard monetary assets that'll that'll protect value. So. Yeah, look, that's how I see things playing out over the next eight to ten years. Crypto will probably still play some kind of role. Um, I think crypto is here to stay to, to some degree. Um, but you know, for me personally, at the very least, I feel, I feel more comfortable keeping some of my wealth in, in precious metals. So you think gold's time will come again? Well, I think so. I think if I look at all the reasons for, for gold to, to perform well and, or to outperform financial assets... Um, I think a, a lot of those characteristics are there. You've got a, I think Deutsche Bank had a report out a, a couple of weeks ago that suggested, um, you know, combined valuations in equity and fixed income markets across the developed world are now at their highest in 200 years. Um, so that would tend to suggest that you know, the next decade is going to see lower or much lower returns than people have got used to. Um, you know, reading, reading the, the, the latest from the Financial Times, you still see, you know, there's over ten trillion dollars in negative yielding sovereign debt. You've got triple B rated issuers, you know, um, uh, basically raising funds, raising corporate bonds with negative yield. So I, I see that there's going to be a, a real rush to what I'd call um, much lower credit risk in investments, and, and, and gold is the, the lowest credit risk of all. So I, I, yeah, I do think that I do think that it'll outperform in the next few years, and then more and more investors will all seek some refuge in it. Doesn't mean people are going to pile into gold, but even if it's putting, you know, two, three, five percent of their wealth in, then, then that'll that'll lead to a significant price rise. Now let's turn to Kay Van Peterson from Saxo Bank, who recently added crypto strategist to his job description, and he famously thinks Bitcoin is going to get to a hundred thousand US dollars in the coming six to eighteen months. So we'll see about that. But here's Kay. So w- when did crypto <laughs> get added to your title? Well, to be honest, I've been talking about the space for about 2014. Um, and, you know, pretty much anyone that was talking about it then was kind of ignored. Um, I think even late 2017, we were doing the OP and I was, I think, I can't remember if it was ABC Radio or one of your local radio talking about kind of uh, Bitcoin tripling uh, in 2017 when we were kind of trading around the 700 handle. I, I added it myself over the last few months uh, because that's kind of the conviction I have on it being, you know, a new asset class in a new space, uh, in essence, uh, and then also just because I've been talking about it for for, for for quite a long time and big advocate of the ecosystem as a whole, uh, to be honest. Yeah, well, so in uh, in May, you famously predicted that Bitcoin would go to $100,000. Do you still think that? <laughs> you probably think it, you're probably thinking more now, do you? You know what? Like, um, I, I will, I will be very straightforward with you. Even when I wrote that, I wrote it in a very conservative way. Um, and the problem is, you know, if you don't have the context of whoever is speaking or writing, you don't know if what they're saying is just to garner headlines or not. If that makes sense, right? Uh, because there's a lot of people out there who just say stuff that's very left or right wing simply because they want the clicks. Uh, but at the time, yes, I'd written 100,000. Uh, no, the actual context was 100,000 is not uh, aggressive by any means. 
uh, on a 10-year time frame. Uh, but, you know, we weren't aware of the futures, right, uh, which is basically now very, very topical over the kind of the weekend. We got the final dates of the CME. So to be honest, I actually think we get there in um, in 6 to 12 months. Uh, sorry, 6 to 18 months. I think we do 5 to 10x from these levels. Um, and happy, happy to kind of explain why I walk you through that thesis, as well as, of course, also uh, cover kind of the things that I think are uh, are um, a, a very kind of well, risky and could kind of go wrong as a whole, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Well, last December you predicted 2000 this year, and of course it succeeded that, that well and truly. And uh, I think at the time when you said when you predicted uh, 2000, the price was $750, and um, uh, everyone yeah. uh, poo pooed you, said you were crazy. But now, of course, uh, it's uh, <laughs> it's heading for 12,000. Yeah, no, I mean exactly, uh, and um, it, it's interesting. To, you know, I don't know if you see this. I, I mean, your background is on the journalist side, I believe. Is that correct, Al? Right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, and you're probably in the situations where maybe you're covering something or you have a view of something, and you can kind of see the ecosystem and stakeholders around that view change over time. And it's always fascinating to watch, right? Uh, and that's kind of how I see now where so many of the things that I was talking about six or 12 months ago is now becoming more and more mainstream. The large banks are being forced to cover it because all their clients, that's all they want to talk about is crypto assets, right? Um, and you're just seeing the kind of legitimacy kind of come through. To be very honest with you, you know, even getting that Bitcoin view into our outrageous predictions, which is, you know, supposed to be a deck of black swans, was a lobbying effort by myself internally. I had to like, you know, do a kind of a cascade of emails, uh, putting the case forward and so on. And, um, you know, it was less about Bitcoin and just more about the crypto asset space as a whole, because what I was basically saying is, you know, this is a space that people need to be spending time on. It's not a fad. It's not just a hot, uh, you know, kind of trend uh, and so on. It's here to stay. Um, And that's sometimes a little bit of a frustrating kind of aspect of this is, Everyone just kind of focuses on the price, which, you know, have obviously been astronomical, but they, it takes away from the underlying kind of technology and why this is such kind of a game changer, if that makes sense. Okay. Well, could you, could you explain to us why you think the Bitcoin price is going to 100,000 or whatever, you know, 10 or whatever times sure. Uh, sure, from sure. it is now? And, but in the context of, the, you know, what you're talking about, the changes to the ecosystem... Yeah, sure. So, so just a few things that, you know, I always like to do when I'm doing speaking engagements or hosting. You know, I think a lot of what drives the world, not just from an investing and trading perspective, but also our day-to-day life decisions uh, with our partners at home, families, you know, it's, uh, it's really uh, incentives, right? Incentives, uh, transparency, and accountability. So uh, I should just, you know, first of all, say that, you know, I'm an advocate of the space, have been for many years, and I'm also vested in it. So, you know, do take that into 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 mind that uh, I do have exposure into the space uh, from a very kind of long-term uh, kind of investment horizon. So I think it's always very important to know whoever is speaking, uh, what angle they're kind of coming from. Um, and that's also been the interesting thing about this space is it's very contested with uh, the incumbents saying one thing versus, um, you know, the non-incumbent saying kind of another. And of course, as always, you have tribalisms on both sides of the camp. But to go back to your kind of point, uh, and again, uh, you know, the, the price to me is actually one of the 
the, the least uh, exciting things uh, compared to what's going on in space. But you look at the acceleration and growth in the space, if you will. This is a very, very young space. Bitcoin is a little bit over nine years. Ethereum is a little bit over three. Uh, it's really only over the last one year, really, you know, some could argue two years, that the space has really been, you know, starting to kind of get the coverage, the following and the opening up um, to more legitimacy, if you will. And that's what actually this Bitcoin futures is going to be doing. Now, from all the work I've done with the institutionals I've been, uh, investors that I've been meeting, this is hedge funds, this is family offices, uh, this is, you know, people that sit in kind of blue chip asset management kind of allocations, pension, endowment money, as well as, you know, ultra high net worth, high net worth individuals who you know, are CEOs of run companies, have done startups, or even hedge fund managers. What is interesting is very few of them have exposure. You know, I've actually been at fintech conferences where the panel is fintech and they're talking crypto and they ask, okay, how many people in the room here actually have exposure? And it's like less than 10%. Right. Uh, and even 10 percent will kind of be ag aggressive. So my whole point is you've seen this incredible rise uh, in the space and there's no one more surprised than me at how quickly it's accelerated this year. You know, we're plus 10 X in Bitcoin. But I would argue there's very, very little institutional, traditional institutional money in the space. I think we've only seen a drop. I think the institutional money in the crypto ecosystem right now has been kind of going to a few exchanges, a few wallets, a few kind of hedge funds, a few miners, a few kind of maybe blockchain companies. Um, but the likes of the traditional uh, endowments, uh, hedge funds, asset management, it's not there. And the reason is, one, how, how young the space is. Two, how small it was. And now it's starting to gain credible size, you know, with the crypto asset class being uh, over $300 billion now. But lastly, and, and most importantly, it's just been so hard, you know, the, the, the technological inefficiencies, how clunky it is, you know, compared to, let's say, UI or one of our listeners going through and buying a bond or a stock um, or, or a currency or commodity through their broker or their bank, it's kind of been like pulling teeth, right? And, and traditional institutional allocators, they're not going to go through those hoop and hurdles of, you know, opening an account on an exchange like Kraken or BitMEX or GDAX, right? So th this is why, to me, it's such a game changer. And this is why I keep saying, you think that you've seen something, but you've definitely not seen anything yet, right? And uh, this is why I think we're going to see over the next six to 18 months, huge allocation of the capital institutional side getting into the crypto and has been banging and dying to get in uh, for the last uh, six uh, to 12 months. Right, so um, you mentioned the futures market. Tell us about what's happening there. So the futures market is, is again, interesting. Um, and, uh, you know, the futures is just a different kind of uh, investment vehicle. But what makes this <coughs> different is so far, if you've been wanting to buy cryptos, uh, you've been having to do it on crypto exchanges, which, you know, are kind of non-regulated and a bit of a kind of a gray zone that kind of some are insured, some are not insured. Uh, but, you know, the futures is coming from the CME, which is the Chicago uh, Mercantile Exchange, which is, you know, one of the oldest, uh, most prestigious exchanges globally. I wouldn't be surprised if their history is over, you know, a hundred years and so on and so forth. So, uh, for, for, first of all, it's not just about the futures, but it's also who they're coming from. Uh, 
um, and uh, the fact that it uh, it has passed uh, you know the green light uh, to to go forth. So you know the the crypto Santa, if you will, is coming in early, and uh, December 18th seems to be uh, the date that uh, the futures will be listed. And that now obviously means is once that is listed, then any broker who has relationships with the SME, and that pretty much should be everybody, you know, including ourselves, Saxo Bank, but uh, also a lot of other players in the market, you will be able to trade Bitcoin futures through them, right? So from December 18th, that's kind of the big kind of, uh, you know, uh, crypto day, if you will. Uh, it looks like the initial margin requirements will be about 35 kind of percent. But the main point is this will now allow a cascade of other investment vehicles over the next six to 18 months that go to the kind of the traditional institutional uh, allocation. So exchange traded funds, mutual funds, and kind of asset classes. Um, just to kind of uh, reverse back to your, your previous question, Alan, maybe I can also give some more context on the valuation part, if that's also okay with you. So even taking a step away from this near term, uh, you know, event, if you will. Does that sound right? Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. So, again, this is, this is kind of the food for thought. And what a lot of people obviously struggle with uh, in uh, looking at the cryptos is, you know, traditional valuation is kind of based off of fundamental kind of cash flows, right? So you have a house, I have a company, uh, you're renting out your house or you're renting out the, or, or you have a certain stock and pay certain dividends and you discount the dividends back, you get to kind of a net present value. If the stock is not paying any earnings, uh, you, you, know, you extrapolate to when it will start pay, paying some earnings out and then you, you discount that back and that kind of gets to kind of the net present value. Bonds obviously have coupons attached to them, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And of course, in the crypto space, so far at least, uh, you know, we don't have these kind of characteristics and kind of profiles, which is obviously the thing that I think is throwing up uh, so many kind of uh, noise uh, and um, and uh, dust clouds, if you will, and storms, if you will, uh, and why it's also heavily kind of contested, right? Uh, but I would, you know, and, and, you know, take this with a bucket of salt. Happy to send you some kind of work on this and on recent kind of presentation I've been doing. But I think you're going to get crypto assets that will serve very, very many different needs from stuff like Bitcoin, which I think is more store value than, let's say, used as kind of money and transfer of payments. Um, and if you assume or you have kind of the view that there is a need for our uh, crypto or should I say digital gold, so to speak, then, you know, Bitcoin could go to kind of serve that. And if you look at uh, and these prices may be a bit stale because this was when Bitcoin was at 10,000, but it'll still give you the viewpoint. There's about $8 trillion value of all the gold mined globally, right? Uh, Bitcoin at the, the time when I did this uh, kind of exercise when it was at 10,000 was about 170 billion. So that ratio is about 2.3, i.e. Bitcoin value to uh, gold value globally. If you assume in, let's say, 10 years' time that there'll be 20 million Bitcoins uh, outstanding, we know that there's only going to be a finite amount, there's only going to be 21 million, and we assume that a part of the market thinks that actually Bitcoin will take 20% of uh, the valuation of, uh, of gold, and we still keep that at 8 trillion, then you basically get to, you know, uh, 1.6 trillion divided by 20 million Bitcoins outstanding in 10 years, that gets you to about 80,000 per Bitcoin, right? Um, so that kind of gives you context. From my perspective, I actually don't think 
that's aggressive at all, that, uh, you know, there there is a need for an asset class that could be seen as a diversification benefit because it's not right now the crypto space is not correlated to traditional assets and could be seen as, uh, you know, a kind of a new precious metal, if you will, uh, but in a kind of a crypto kind of form. So that kind of is to give you a little bit more kind of context. Uh, you know, another way of, of kind of looking at it could be ratio of, let's say, gold to uh, government debt globally, and then, you know, Bitcoin to government debt globally, and maybe extrapolating where we are in 10 years. Another way could be looking at the growth so far. Um, so uh, the median growth, uh, from if you assume that we close at 10,000 by the end of the year, is about uh, 218% since, since uh, 2010. If you take um, an 85% uh, haircut uh, of that and, and assume that uh, we grow at basically 33% over the next 10 years, which is a reasonable assumption just to give your listeners context. Amazon grew from 2001 to 2016 at a compound uh, rate of about uh, 30%. Uh, then if you extrapolate on that kind of 33%, uh, percent, you know, you easily get to a figure that's above kind of 100,000. And I think actually Bitcoin growing at uh, you know 33% for the next 10 years is is not kind of aggressive. So there's a few metrics that you can um, you know kind of uh, play around with, for lack of a better word, to, to to get a little bit of an idea of where kind of the context of valuation should be. But of course, these assume that you do believe it is a new asset class. These assume that you do believe it is game-changing technology, uh, and these assume that you also do believe that you know that there is a place for. Uh, Bitcoin and other cryptos to kind of be viewed as a store of value do you think, diversification. Yeah. Well, do, but do you think that Bitcoin is analogous to gold? Is it like gold? Uh, I definitely think it's an analogous to what we use gold for, right? Uh, obviously, gold's been around for you know plus five thousand years, right? Um, there's a lot of people, including myself, coming up in the industry where you kind of learn to take gold as being a, a diversification benefit to kind of the port- portfolio. But I'd also urge people to think about millennials and younger generation who may not think twice uh, of even looking at gold. And for them to pick up uh, a, a diversification that's a digital crypto will be kind of like, you know, second nature in essence. So I think it's 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 definitely a way to think about it. But, I you know, I, I can also see the risks of going into kind of comparing the pros and cons of, of gold and uh, and uh, you know Bitcoin in this.